Hey everybody, it's Jim Mallard here. Welcome to the Mallard Report. The Mallard Report is recorded in front of a live virtual audience on the Duck Pond. Tuesday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern, live. Mallard.com, M-A-L-L-I-A-R-D.com. One more thing before we start. Let me turn it over to my friend that you may know from Ancient Aliens and the Curse of Oak Island and many other things, Robert Clotworthy. On the Malliard Report, the views, thoughts, and opinions expressed on the show are solely those of the hosts and guests, and not necessarily of Evergreen Podcasts, KillerPodcast.com, sponsor or affiliate, or any other individual or group. On the Malliard Report, the views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in the show are solely those of the hosts and guests, and not necessarily of Evergreen Podcasts, KillerPodcast.com, sponsor or affiliate, or any other individual or group. Hey everybody, it's Jim Mallard here. Welcome to the Mallard Report. There we go. It's been looping on me. I can't get it. Anyways, we're part of. We're here in uh, what, what do they call this haunted fall? I think it was. <laughs> and uh, I I brought back one of the most requested guests back on. So take that with a uh, big feather in your cap because it's been a while since you've been on, and people are still talking about the last time you were on. So that's that's quite the accomplishment. Uh, got David David, first yes. and foremost, how are you doing tonight? I'm very good. Long time no see, Jim. I know. How have you? I mean, so for the listeners that, well, the few listeners that weren't talking about this, why don't you give them the brief uh, backstory, then we'll just start going through it again. Sure. In a nutshell, uh, my name is David Oman. I built this house that I live in that I've become kind of uh, known for. And uh, the house sits about 150 feet down the private drive from where Sharon Tate's house once stood. Um, it's been now, God, it's been on 10 paranormal reality TV shows, starting with My Ghost Story, then Paranormal Witness, Haunted History, Ghost Adventures, I mean, Ghost Hunters, um, let's see, Ghost Adventures, Aftershocks, Dead Famous Lives, Searching for Satan, Fright Club, um, I think that covers all of the shows that we've been on. Um, and it's strange because the house literally was, there was nothing here. It was vacant land, um, four houses down from where Sharon's house once stood. And, you know, ever since we've started building here in 1999, the place has just had crazy activity going on. Um, and let's see, I've, now it's been 21 years since I've been moved in here and that's since 2002. And, we've recorded strange, strange things here. I mean, I've got now 30 cameras running 24 seven inside the house. And um, for the past eight years now, we've captured some crazy stuff in video. And I'm not talking about like, David, you actively ghost hunting. And my answer is, no, I'm talking about just daily stuff happening when it's like, all right, I'm, I'm having some coffee and it's all of a sudden, the hell was that? And something you know, hear sounds and say, like, okay, I'm not really worried. I'm going to go you know, review the video footage later on at my leisure. And upon which I review the footage, it's like, what the flying? What the, huh? Stuff <laughs> happens here. And it's people going, are you serious? I said, yeah, day or night, not just at 3 a.m. However, at 5 a.m. a few years ago, about a year and a half ago, I had to get up because I had to go to the boys room and as i'm going to the bathroom i'm listening to the floor above me like this going what the fuck what the what the hell is going on up there and i'm thinking to myself well 
I'm too tired to, to give a, sh you know, literally go up there and look. So I went back to bed. I noted the time. I think it was 5.30 in the morning. I go back to bed a couple of hours later when I wake up about 8 or 9. I go into my office here and I review the footage. And I'm like, what the, who the? And literally the video that I posted on YouTube of an hour-long segment is of sounds of objects being knocked over. Uh, boxes being moved, voices, conversations, not just voices like intermittent, like blah, blah. No, 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 no. You're hearing full conversations going on in the background. And I'm thinking to myself, well, I'm asleep. The cats are in the bedroom. The dogs are in the bedroom with me. And the, the alarms are on. And when you watch the footage, you hear the sounds. You don't see any objects physically moving. It's just dumb, dumb, dumb shit crazy. Let's just leave it at that. So, so let's let's jump back quite a yeah. bit here. Nineteen ninety eight ish, when you yeah. decided to buy, buy the property, what made you? What were, what were you drawn to up there? Because I'm assuming you didn't plan on building a haunted house. <laughs> yeah, well, in late ninety eight in November on a Sunday morning, my dad called me up and said, "Could you know, David, get up?" I said, "What?" And he goes. I've got a lot. It's in the, it's in the classified section. It's forty thousand dollars in Beverly Hills, and I'm like, "Gee, Dad, you know that's that's nice, but I'm sure it's a misprint." And again, this is the day and age before the internet, so it's literally in the classified section. And I said, "Let me see, Dad." It says four zero K, and he goes, "Yeah." I said, "It's a misprint. There's no such thing as a lot for forty thousand dollars in Beverly Hills." Period. So we, I drive up here and I meet him up here at the location and I looked around and I looked at the end of the street and I said, son of a, you know what? That's where the Sharon Tate house stood. Mm -hmm. And at the time, they were literally into like the fourth or fifth year of demolition of the house. And I'm like, there's a, con there's a construction site going on down there, but... That's the that's that's where it all went down. I just knew it because I'd been here literally 20 years earlier in high school and was like, oh yeah, that's that, there it is, that's it. So he drives up and he goes, This is the lot. And I go on, Dad, I, I say, that's where the Sharon Tate murders took place. He's like, We're here to look at this lot. Will you stop that? So we looked <laughs> at the lot and we decided he goes, like, it's forty thousand dollars. I can build on it. And there was $100,000 worth of improvements on the property as well from a prior construction that was halted because the house was, there was no house ever on that property. Somebody had tried to build a house some 15 years earlier and they got held up. And they basically, the bank foreclosed on the owner and put the house up for sale, for four, the lot for sale for $40,000. So we ended up buying it. And in January of 99, we started going through the permit process and submitting plans. And about six months later, we started building the house. But so still, I didn't hear anything. To answer your question. To answer your question, it was a function, a function of it was cheap. <laughs> I was going to say, I still don't hear any plans in there to build a haunted house. Okay, take me back to when you went in high school. Uh, was yeah. that just morbid curiosity? Or is there, you know, were you into that kind of stuff? Or was it just a bunch of boys cruising? Oh, no, no. Uh, to be honest with you, everybody read Helter Skelter. So by 1980, it was like, oh, yeah, we know this book. We know. And guess what? We all live nearby. So we all drove up here in the late 70s just to check it out. Now, mind you, 
it was more secure than in the 10 years after the murders than it was at the time of the murders, meaning the fence gate was up. You could not go past the gate. It was like there was a, a wooden fence, wooden slat fence on the right, I mean, on the left, and on the right, it was just this chain link fence gate. And you could see, look in, but all you could see was the driveway, that pony wall that came out, it was made out of brick or, or rock, and that's it. Because the view straight from the entryway, from the from the driveway straight in, was just that. You saw the driveway. You couldn't see the house. The house was tucked around to the right. So at the time, all you could see was the um, the view, and of course the uh, what is it? The uh, the wooden fence around the perimeter. That was about it. So it was it the was first. As I say, what was the first indicate? Did anybody tell you you shouldn't be up there? And, you know, people all the time are telling people other things that may or not be consequential. So you have to sift through it. And and often hindsight tells you things, but somebody did tell you, and you're like, oh, I should have listened a little bit closer. Did you have any of those conversations before you moved in? No. I mean, let's see. The um, moved in, well, like I said, we were building up here for three years pretty much, from 1999 and a half to 2002 and a half. Um, so figure during that time, the, remember the house, the house is up here. There's only the main house, which is the end of the street, which was under construction. Then you had the little house that was there during the murders. Then you had the new house. Then you had this other house, the small house, and that was it. There were only three houses up here at the time. <clears throat> so when we were doing the construction, I think the guy at the end of the driveway was was under construction. The house next to that was being somebody was living there, but we never spoke to them much. The house next to that was some other people that we never really spoke to, and the people next door to them to, to us was this Middle Eastern gentleman who was really nice, and you know we basically you know borrowed his electricity and paid him for it during the construction until we were all fully built up to the point where we had our own electrical. So, no, nobody ever said anything about anything being up here. So what happened to the lot where the house was? I feel like I'm jumping forward, but... Oh, well, the house... No, in 1994, no. In 1994, a guy named... named I forgot his first name, but Weintraub. I remember that much. He bought the property and proceeded to tear the house down. And as right. I recall, there's a video that's out there that was called the Manson Walk, House Walkthrough which is about the Sharon Tate video of the video of the, the guy walking through the house right before Trent Reznor moved out and shows his mixing board is right on the spot where Sharon's body was found, which rumor had said, people said, you know, rumor has it that Trent put his mixing board right on the spot where Sharon's body was. And I was like, let's see the video. And when I saw the video, it's like, yeah, that's the spot. So that's, um, and then he tore the house down, but he left two bearing walls and the floor from the original um, kitchen of the house and got away with a remodel permit instead of a brand new construction permit and built mm. the new house literally around the two bearing walls and the floor of the kitchen of the Tate house. And I know this for a fact because I literally, when... Harvey Weintraub was trying to sell the house after he had made a mess of it and built this, this huge pink elephant, this 30,000 square foot monstrosity that he was building 
because he was trying to point it off to my dad at the time as we were building the house. And he says, Paul, come come visit me and take a look and see if you'd like to make an offer on the house. And my dad says, you want to go through? I said, yeah, I'll go through with the house. Let's take a look. And I was like, what gives with the 25 you know, foot tall ceilings? I said, shit, can you imagine keeping this place cold in the summer and hot in the winter? I said, it's impossible. And it was just a mess. And he said, I said, when we walked in the, near the back door, near the um, back entrance, which is, you know, near the, uh, the, the hill, I said, what's, he said, I looked and I thought, saw this three foot by three foot section that was like, had a trap door in it. And I said, what's that? He goes, oh, that's access to the crawl space. So he goes, here, take a look. So he lifts up this three foot by three foot section of the floor and he flips the switch and I look down there and there's this linoleum floor. And I said, what, what's that? That looks like linoleum. He goes, it is linoleum. It's the original kitchen from the, the original house that was here, you know, the, the uh, Polanski residence where they were living. I said, the kitchen? He goes, yeah. So I lowered myself down after I asked him if I could go take a look. He goes, yeah, it's a crawl space. So you, I go down three feet and I look underneath and there's this section, like a platform just sitting there. And it's this the freaking floor. And I'm like, oh my God, it's all linoleum. And I said, what's that? He goes, that's under the house. So you have a crawl space to access if you need this and this. And I'm like, holy crap. And that's where he said, because there's also two walls and the, you know, bearing walls in the original house we incorporated. And I'm like, okay, all right, whatever. So that's the demise of that property. Oh, jeez. That almost is worse than just tearing it down and turning it into a, well, turning it into a cornfield is a Western Pennsylvania joke. I know it's Beverly Hills. So <laughs> remember the view is incredible from there. It was always incredible. I mean, I personally wouldn't live there if you paid me all the money in the world because it's just hinky. It's not about superstitious. It's not about being disrespectful to me, knowing the history of what went on there, you could have built a much more appealing structure than that. I'm telling you, I still wouldn't have anything to do with it because it's just yeah, the wrong know, place. It's icky, it's icky, you know. So, so. first, the first question from Drummer Time Runner. He's on fire tonight. He's probably posted ten. So I'm just going to take the rest of the night off and read his questions. No. Just kidding, but <laughs> no, yeah, question. I'm reading questions for for for, for, for Omen. No, I mean. No, 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 no. What that, what he might be referring to is, is that I had somebody that, let's see, it's got to be a, like close to seven, eight, nine, ten years ago now that my friend whose parents ran the Starline Tours came by one afternoon with a private tour. A, a woman in her four, 50s, her daughter and her daughter's two friends. They came on a private tour to go around the, the area and wanted to see my house. So they asked if they if I was available and I'd be interested. It's like, sure, come on, bring them over. So they came over and the daughter stops at the front door and says, I can't come in the house. And I'm like, what's the matter? She goes, I don't know. I said, what happened? She goes, well, we just walked to the end of the driveway, looked at the property, and we just came up to now go to your house. I'm like, okay. So she sits there and she says, I can't come in the house. It's just like there's an energy barrier 
not allowing me to go through and into the house. I'm like, okay, stay at the threshold of the house, at the entrance of the door, to the you know entryways, and stay there at the front door. I'll talk to your mom and your two friends. Blah blah blah. blah. So we're all talking, and I'm telling them about the house and stuff and the stories, and. I'm getting these weird feelings like there's something that's not kosher. Something's like they, somebody's, you know, it felt like there was something uneasy, not threatening, but something that was just not right about the moment. And I just kept going, okay. And I kept on thinking there's just something keeps on tapping in me on the head, like da, 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 da. And it's not violent. It's not painful. It's just there. So I'm talking to them, blah, blah, blah. And I kept on looking at the dice. I said, you're okay? He said, yeah, I'm fine. So I said, look, let's just wrap this up. I feel bad about you not coming in. And I gave the woman my business card. I said, look, if anything happens, you know, give me a call. So we go outside and I talk to them. And I'm sitting there. I looked at the one girl who had this very, very distinct hairdo, black hair, straight down with a bang, straight black hair, straight like this almost like the Cleopatra look. And this goes like 19, 20 years old. I'm like one. Kept on like like this, feeling like tugging at the air. So I said, look, since, we, since we're outside now, all together, I said, has anybody had any weird experiences in the house? Before I say what I'm feeling, I want to see what have you got to say first? So the girl with the hair says, there was a guy in there. I felt the presence of a guy and he was like leering at me. And it's like, and at that moment, I heard a voice say, it's Jay. And boy, she looks a lot like this girl I used to date back in the day, who was this actress who was in a show called Isis. And I said, oh, shit. And I remembered, flashed the image of that actress from that show on Saturday morning TV. And I looked at the girl and I go, she's a dead ringer for that girl's mom, for that girl's daughter. Just like mirror image, like, like this. So then I looked at the other girl. I said, what about you? And she goes like, she was like, she was like, what do you, how did you know? I said, what about you? And she's wearing this, this denim hat. That's this retro style. It looks like this. It comes over the front and then it comes out with the brim. And she says, uh, yeah, I had something weird happen. I said, what? And she goes, somebody was tugging. I said, it's your hat. And she goes, how did you know? How did you know? And I finished her sentence. And Sharon says, she goes, that's me. I said, I had that same hat when I was alive. And I love that hat so much. And she was like, oh, my God. So the next day was Saturday in the morning. At about 10 o'clock, I get a call out of the blue. It's this woman from the night before. The day before, it's the, the mom. And she says, I got to tell you something. I said, I have strange things to tell you. I said, what? She goes, I called my, grand, my, my grandmother up who, you know, my mom's passed away, my grandmother's still alive. It's like, oh, and she lives in Texas. And I told her what happened at your house. And she goes, oh, honey, didn't you? She said, she goes, oh, there's some, there's some strange connection, I think, to the family and the Tate family. I'm like, huh? She go, I said, look, I said, what are you guys doing tonight for dinner? And she goes, well, I said, out of the blue, I invited her. I said, why don't you guys come over for dinner? You, your husband, your daughter, and her two friends. Don't even know why, but it's like the spirit moved me. Mm -hmm. we're all sitting at the dining room table it's a glass table and we all have glasses of wine so it's the the mom the, the husband the wife the daughter the daughter's two friends and me 
while sitting at the dining room table, all six of us. And in the middle of dinner, a glass of wine between her daughter and her daughter's friend slides across the table and it's doing like this. And it moves about, about eight, nine inches. And I'm like, this is the table. And I'm looking like, said, I, I guess I've seen everything now. And the husband does this, looks under the table. And, and the girls are like, one. And I, tell, I look at the husband comes back and I said, it's a glass table. Those are crystal glasses. There's no magnets involved if that's what you're looking for. And at that moment, I heard Sharon's voice say, it's us. We just want to let you know that we're here with you. And I was like this. The next day, she calls me up afterwards, and she goes, oh, I talked to my grandmother again. She called me back. She goes, she thought her hunch turned out to be true. And I said, what was her hunch? She said, she checked in the family in the family album. She goes, sure enough, when your family lived in Texas and Sharon's family lived in Texas, the families used to get together for picnics and stuff, that your, your mother and Sharon's mother were very good friends. <laughs> and I'm like, that explains what the hell happened the night before and the day before that between the this and the God, I really got to get, I really reminds me, what I didn't say about what Jay was, he was like, I want to bang her brains. I was like, I'm not going to say that, you know, I said, that's just absolutely out of this world, stupid, crazy. I can't say that to the girl. So I said, he really found you very attractive. You looked a lot like his ex-girlfriend. And she's like, oh. So when the stuff, so it was like, that's the kind of stuff that's happened here that makes you go. And like I said, the sequence of events from her just being here, visiting and the set, set up with the daughter not getting to come in and then all this stuff playing out. And as you go through it and you follow the through line and you start to see the coincidence is not so coincidental anymore, but in fact has some kind of an interaction as to explaining why, rationally speaking, she's making that appearance and the physical manifestation of moving a glass across the table. So many questions, so little time. Uh so how often have do you back on. or or get a copy? Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Ghost of Silla Drive. That's right. This is the book. This will tell you everything. I literally got so tired of hearing people say, like, your house is built on native ceremonial burial grounds. How does it feel? Is this like the poltergeist movie? And I'm going, Zach Baggins? I said Zach Baggins said that, you know, on that show 10 years ago. That's a crock of crap. <laughs> well, I'm not surprised. And also, like, I hear that so much. It's an Indian or Native American burial ground. Excuse me there. And it's like, man, I get it. They were everywhere and they probably buried people everywhere. But, man, it, I'm sure they did a better job than we give them credit for. <laughs> well, what the, the story goes, this is it. 10 years ago, this September, literally about a week ago, 10 years ago, they came to shoot the episode, first episode of Ghost Adventures. And for up until that time, Lisa Williams had come here in 2006 after Ghost Hunters aired, and she wanted to see the house on her own by herself without any television crew or anything. I said, fine. And she was the first person who came in and said, there's a Native American whose body is interred in the mound of earth, in that earthen wall room, in that mound. I said, yeah. And she goes, then he died. she told me the story. And I'm like, oh, okay, whatever, you know, and I blew it off. But I thought to myself, look, there's a great 
way to test her the theory of what she said is true or not. Tell nobody the story. Keep it under wraps, under lock and key. She's not telling anybody anyways. The internet's not that big in the 2006, nor is the paranormal. So she's not spreading the word. So every psychic that comes in here from James von Prague to um, Miriam Winkowski to um, Jackie Barrett to all these other different psychics that come in kept on sitting there and going, there's a Native American in, in this area, right in this mound of earth. And I'm like, how many people can come up with the same bit of information? And yet it's not a known you know, bit of information that's passed around publicly. So interesting. I'll get to that, to David B's question about that. Um, it's not increased or decreased since I built the house, by the way. It's just, it's there. It just always is, and it depends. It's not like it's the 31st of September or the 30th of September. Let's party. It's it's or it's 3 a.m. They just manifest when they do. It's kind of like not random, but um, having more to do with who comes in the house, having a much more effect on the environment than just the spirits that you expect to see here. Um, but I'll touch back on that once I finish with this ghost adventure story. So she comes in, goes down to the third level, and she goes, there's a Native American who's telling me that he died several centuries ago when he was riding across the horse path, which is now the driveway, and his horse got spooked, lost its footing, fell down the hill slope, and both he and the horse broke their necks and died. And the remains were left on the side of the earth and through the years, since, you know, years and years, and the mudslides that we know have hit up here, his remains were basically dispersed, and the horse's remains were dispersed on the hillside and covered inadvertently by the mud flows. So I told Zach 10 years ago, and as I found out later when the show aired, David's house is built, built on native ceremonial burial grounds. That's a big no-no. And I'm like, you know what? You know what is another big no-no? Not lying to your fucking teeth. Pardon my French. Oh, and that no. was the whole problem. Later, he, he, he wrote about me in the book, I Am Haunted. He spent a half a chapter, three and a half pages, claiming that I am possessed and the house isn't haunted. But I'm the reason why there's this paranormal activity. And I'm thinking, okie dokie, that's the ultimate cop-out of cop-outs, really. So so why doesn't he make move you to Vegas and uh, put you in the museum of haunted, or what is it? I got, a couple, I got, I got the front door of the, the original front door from the house. And I told the friends, like, get in touch with Baggins. Tell him you got the front door from my house. And I'll even throw another door from another part of the house that I had some tenants in from the third level yet. I'm thinking to myself, oh my God, the third level where all that, you know what, hit the fan in the show. Give them the goddamn freaking third, you know, the door to the third level, please. I'll be happy to sell both of them for his haunted museum. Hey, you know what I'll even do? I'll throw in a couple of the Beetlejuice figurines that kept on knocking over off the aquarium that my dog got to and chew them up. So we had to replace them. However, they are the original Beetlejuice figurines that have been on those those that aquarium and getting knocked off through the years. So <laughs> it's it's something to think about. 
As far just as in case uh, anybody that's connected to him is still listening to the show, I doubt it because <laughs> you're not the first person that speaks so kindly of him. <laughs> but after he started, you know, crapping on me all over Twitter, I got in touch, heard from Keith Linderman up in uh, Seattle, Linderman, and also um, what's her face, Bloody Mary in Louisiana, New Orleans, and they told me the same horrible story that they went through is what I went through and that they were so upset at how they were treated after they were on his show. And I was like, wow, I've never seen the likes of such just belligerent antagonistic, uh, you know, and just insults and, and for no reason. I mean, you know, I mean, yes, I have to admit in my case, I did go off and say that Zach, when we were doing the events here through the different paranormal investigative groups, that Zach managed to stay here three hours of the six-hour lockdown, and you have your opportunity to go and do this, to get to spend twice as much time as Zach got to when he was here, you know, X years ago. So, so maybe I did pee in the uh, wind on him, but you know, I, I only told the truth. <laughs> Um, so, oh, first, let's go back to this um, increased or decreased um, since you built the house. You said it's remaining the same. I, but you, I, but you I, got more I, people coming through, so is it, you know it more now? Is that what well, I'm guessing? It's, I'll say, put it to you this way. With, with less frequency, there is less activity of the nature that we are familiar with, which was a lot of the people would go into certain parts of the house and complain of feeling like they're rocking back and forth in a boat, like they're on a little dinghy, and they feel like they're getting seasick and their equilibrium is being messed with. Um, that doesn't happen as often. It has happened still. I had some people here the other day that were visiting, and it was like, oh, yeah, they felt it. Um, as a matter of fact, it was um, Saturday. Scott Michaels of Dearly Departed Tours came by with a couple of people that were in visiting. You know, They wanted to get a copy of the book. And since they were here, they wanted to get it signed. I said, look, since you're here and you're getting it signed, you're getting a copy, let me take you for a tour of the house. So they went through and they were expressing the same things, thinking, I'm feeling like I'm rocking back and forth in a boat like this. I said, yep, that, that's still happening. It's, it's different, though. Like I said, I've noticed that the more people that have been in the house, the activity is surrounding the people that are close to them. Meaning, I want to come, I come into the house and I want to see Sharon Tate. So, as an example, and I say to them, Look, if anything happens, remember the first person who pops into your head that you think of right after that incident is the person it's most likely is. Seldom do they ever tell me, I thought of Sharon Tate. No, it's always a friend. It's a family member. It's somebody else that they were familiar with, that they knew or had an acquaintance that died. And that's why I said, that's who you just experienced. It's interesting because you'd think, you know, if your house wasn't haunted, apparently it's a bus stop because all these people come through. And <laughs> it's it's a, whatchamacallit. I call it a, um, a ghost flop house, I think is what Lisa Williams said. And Marianne Winkowski, the real life ghost whisperer, said, she goes, David, honey, you don't understand. You've got a revolving door at the entrance of your house. And I'm like, I do. And she goes, oh, yeah, spirits just 
come in and go out. They come in and they go out. It's like, I said, it's like a resort for the dead. He goes, yeah, something like that. It's like a spa for the dead. I'm like, a day spa? He goes, as long as they like spa. It's like, okay. Okie dokie. So you mentioned you were recording earlier. Do you, I mean, you put some up on YouTube. Do you have any other plans beyond that? Uh, the video, you got, what, 25 cameras you told me? I did jot that down. So that's my Let's see, there's 25 cameras in the house. In the garage, there's a camera. And then there's four cameras outside. So, I mean, we got it covered with sound and it's crazy. The audio is just phenomenal. The stuff that we've captured um, is just nuts. I mean, like I said, it's not when we're actively ghost hunting that we've captured most of the most interesting stuff. It's just happenstance. It's like um, my friend John was here a few years ago. He was getting ready to move to Georgia and he'd been here several times before and he's visited and spent the night here and he was in the kitchen, in the dining room. I went downstairs and all of a sudden he, I hear him yell, I said, David, David, is there a girl in the house? And we said, no, we're alone. What are you talking about? He goes, I heard this girl's voice say, hi, John. I go up and say, so John, what the, you know, after you're talking about blah, 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 you know how it is here. <laughs> Rewind the video footage and sure enough, there's this woman's voice that's captured on four cameras in that very room and the loudest is this camera that's right above the stair, right next to the stairwell going down. And my dog is sitting there on the floor and you watch his reaction. He's like this, right as the, the voice is coming up. And he's like, what the? And he's looking down the stairwell, which makes me believe it was coming from down the gosh darn stairwell, which is like 30 feet, uh, 30 feet deep by about eight foot by eight foot wide going straight down this cavern. And he's like, and that's where the voice was the loudest. And it's clear as a bell. She just says, hi, John. And I listened to it and all the cameras on going, holy shit. And we weren't even looking for it because, and it's like five in the fourth, five thirty in the afternoon. I'm in the summer and I'm like, holy crap. That's just wild. FYI, I'm not going down those steps. Just if that happens to me, just. Jim, you come out here. You're going to go through the entire house. You're not going to act like my dog, the same dog who refuses to go to the third floor. Inside the house, then going down the stairwell, he will not go. Outside the house, when you try to take him down the sta side staircase, he will not move. He will oh, no, not I'm move. Down I'm, just, I'm game. I'll go anywhere. I've been in some crawl spaces before myself. And you, do, you do a show from here. My God, you live stream here from the house and we'll walk through the house and we'll set up and we'll say, all right, this is a good room we'll pick to do the show in. And we'll set up the show, probably the third level theater room where we've had uber amounts of activity go on there. So the, next, the, the question to back that up, though, is which room is the slowest, least active? You know, you know what I'm saying? Where, where, where's the quietness? I'll be honest with you. I used to think that it was always the third level. And again, I've been surprised because depending upon who's come in the house, we've had occurrences where the top floor has been just straight out nuts. And I mean, like, it's just the pressure in your sinuses and your head. And you can just feel this intense pressure around like your altitude sickness <clears throat> is the best I can come up with the sensation of you feel like your sinuses are being pushed in from the temple areas and you just feel like insane angst 
and on your chest, like you're just having compression around your chest area. It's nuts. Um, I mean, like I said, all, all floors of the house are active. I mean, the second floor, which I'm on right now, right to my left out there, the door is the laundry room, where then is the access is the runway, we call it, uh, the egress to go to the, the water heater room or to the outside door, door to, the stair, to the staircase. And I'm telling you that, I mean, we've got audio recordings in there with the video of just voices talking and just chattering away and going, who the hell is these people? I mean, cursing as well, saying, F you. And I'm laughing as a thing. It's like, oh, yeah, that's right. That's the room where the woman sits with the spirit. She goes, well, is the spirit around here? I don't know. And he goes, F you. And I was like, oh, wow. He was pretty clear about telling her to go and get lost. But it's like I said, in this room, my office, which used to have all the Jack Johnson memorabilia, which has been long, six months, no, God, like eight months ago now, it was all taken down. So, you know, we've had activity in here. Um, the, the cat's bedroom right down the hall. It's just nuts. Hello, Paranormal Heart Podcast. So, I mean, and, and of course, the third floor with the earthen wall room, the guest bedroom, the theater room. I mean, you know, lots of activity there too, but sometimes you go down there and it's plain as day, quiet, vanilla ice cream, blah, nothing. Other times you go, go down there and it's just like, Fireworks Fourth of July and it's just crazy ass nuts. So, uh, Dave wanted me to ask you about how many entities have you come across in your house? And I'm sitting here counting ones that you've already talked about tonight, and I'm out of fingers already. So, uh, fill me in. How many more are there? <laughs> I say, well, again, I, I literally I don't have like a check a counter going. Click, 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 click. You should. We'll get we'll get one of those LED display boards now serving number. <laughs> Or you have you have spaces, you have the thing like in the parking lot that says spaces available, numbers, slots available. No, I'd say, I mean, I've, I like I said, between Lisa Williams, Mayor Winkowski, and all, a lot of the other different psychics that have come here, I've been told upwards of like thousands of spirits. There's no, no quantitative number, no way to know exactly how many, but just thousands of spirits come in and come out. It's like, what? Because, oh, yeah, your place is just like a hot... Like a hot house. I said, what do you mean a hot house? It was just like in the middle of the Arctic, freezing cold. Yours is like a beacon of light, a rest, a resort, a spot, to, a respite. I'm like, great, just terrific. And my thoughts are, I asked, like, you know, I mean, Marianne Munkowski says, Is there anything you can do to like stop it or to close? And she goes, No, she goes, Not at all. There's nothing I can do or anyone else can do. And I said, Okay. All righty then. That's that's the way it is. That's just the way it is. So, do your neighbors know about this? Have they had any conversations with you, or? Um, let's see. The house next door is is empty and has been for about a year now since they sold it. <laughs> Doesn't have one of those not haunted signs in front of it, does it? <laughs> well, here's what's funny. When it was an Airbnb, and I know I rented it out and had friends that. You know, the, the spillover fact, too many friends visiting at one time for an event or a party or something. I had a, I rented that house out and I had their experiences reported to me of just nutty things going on. And then, of course, Usher lived there for six months. And he told me that he had an experience where he was on the um, 
he was on the second floor, just like my house, taking a shower, and he heard voices and footsteps on the floor above him. So he goes, that's strange. He goes, I could have sworn the door was locked and the, the, the gate to the entry of the door was also locked. So he goes upstairs and he looks and he goes, it was locked and there was no one in the house. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, I, 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 you know, uh, and then the, the people next door to that, I don't talk to them much. And the other people next to that, again, I don't talk to them much. They're 100 feet away. So there's no real reason for us to communicate. Well, I was just wondering because you know how the world is, right? Especially no, in a, a small, smaller neighborhood, you know, people talk and all this other stuff. <laughs> Come on. How the world is. How is the world? I don't know. How are you doing, world? Really? Well, you know, I'm surprised. People Ooh. are not protesting you. That's a good thing. Yeah, well. Like, get, get, get your demons out. If if I got if people <laughs> protesting, I probably had more notoriety about me in the house than there is right now, let's be honest. So, well, so get out there and protest in front of my house. Let's get the news fans to cover it quick. You well, know, be fun. Yeah, it's kind of funny when you think about what they're, they're making a movie about the, uh, the whatchamacallit, what is it, the murders, what's his face, the Murdoch murders. They just ended the trial less than six months ago, and now they're making a movie about it. What the, well, is wrong? And, he, and he's going to appeal it, so it's like, Maybe hold that movie off until he's done with the <laughs> Maybe. Maybe not. Oh, oh what bro, do I know? I just said cockeyed son of a bitch son of a What was the name of that YouTube series? It was probably a couple years ago where the guy was it must have been in North Carolina and they framed him for doing murdering his wife. And actually his defense was it wasn't him, it was a hawk or an owl or something. And they showed the they showed the pictures of the talons. <laughs> On whatever boat, it must have been a hawk. And then they showed this, like the picture of the skull or shoulder, whatever it was, and the mar- the match, the marks matched. And I went, "Oh, there's no way." But how do you do that as a human, <laughs> right? Like, I'm like, "Oh, that's weird." <laughs> I didn't hear about that. That's a strange story. They couldn't. So they, there was no murder weapon, but the guy said it was a hawk that did it. Yeah, was his wife. Must have been a big yeah. hawk. Yeah. And can you imagine being sitting in that defense meeting? Yeah. Okay. And now let's come back to Earth. That's no. <laughs> like forensic evidence to, to back up, you know, the, the markings, you know. I'll have, to, I'll have to look that up and send it to you later because that, it's just That's fascinating. My God. It was. And then there was some uh, less than friendly activity at the criminal lab. And like, you know, it was just a whole. Uh, ride that you went on through this process. Thanks, David. I appreciate it. This is, I got several of these. I've got this and I have to plug Hard Daddy. Harddaddy.com has got these great shirts. I've also got this in a tan. I also got some other great Halloween shirts for the uh, <laughs> for this season. I couldn't help it. I have three of the other ones. The ones that are in the tan version versus this, the purple. But I love the colors. And that's cool. That's a great shirt for Halloween. You know, can't, can't go wrong with that. Well, when you're you or me, it's a great shirt year round, right? Oh yeah, of course. God, I wear this all the time. As October here, it's like no, I just wear because I feel like it. Yeah, it's colorful. I know. So speaking of speaking yes. of Usher, he he was announced. I, yes, I read that. I was like surprised. <laughs> God, you know, I actually still talked to his half brother who uh, was living there because he used that as his creative space. He was, you know, he was a character. 
you know, but less of the character than Drake, who lived at the end of the street and rented the house out. He was a pain in the ass, you know. I, I can't see that. He was I'm renting totally the Frank, he was renting the tape property out for his three months and he lasted two weeks and they threw his house. <laughs> but think oh. about it. He was getting complaints from all the neighbors, from the police, because at every night, and literally every single night for two weeks straight, at about 2, 2.15, 2.30 in the morning, there would be an entourage of about 150 people walking up this driveway up here to go to his house to party. And oh, it, was, so it, it was just... You're, like, you're not even touching that. So no wonder nobody's protesting you. <laughs> No, he was it was nuts. He had guys, he had armed guards in front of the gate with walkie-talkies. He had armed guards behind the gate with walkie-talkies. It was crazy. It was nuts. By the way, did I just see that my background just went fluttering color-wise, light-wise? Yeah, I, I thought it like adjusted, but I'm not sure what it was. It was kind of weird there for just a second. It wasn't the internet though. It was definitely because you looked fine, but the background kind of Whatever that. Yeah, I, I just happened to notice that looking above the camera and thinking, <laughs> that's not happening here physically. What the hell is going on there? That, there, you <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Thanks, spirits. So that's your asses playing that shit, huh? You just, again. <laughs> I'm telling you, Jim, this is, this is their way of communicating and saying, yeah, we're here. Hello. We're going to let you know we're around you. I mean, literally, the light here is just perfectly untouched. And again, I'm here by myself, so it's not like I'm in the middle of, you know, with a bunch of people here. It's There's nobody here. Here, you stand there on your own two feet. So, oh, well, that's a better question than what I was going to ask, so we'll ask it. Uh, future projects in the paranormal realm, do you have any coming? Uh, I've got an idea for a four-part docuseries about the house... All right, guys, you want to stop fussing with the lights? It's enough. Come on. I don't see it here. I see it there. That's where it counts. Um, a four-part docuseries about the house and the hauntings going on here, plus the history of the area. Um, I'm just looking for a producer, which I wanted to talk to you about after the show to see who you might know, that might say, hey, you know, a four-part docs series, you know, it's distracting the living shit out of me. I'm serious now. Stop with it. You're now making me so goddamn aware that I can't handle it. I keep on stopping and take a break to look at that. I do that to people. I'm oh, sorry. I apologize. <laughs> with them. You have no apologies to need to say. It's them. It's no, no, I'm talking about the spirit room. I always, I always bring the worst out in people, especially ghosts. All right, yeah. I hope that made my point with them. Next thing you know, it'll go completely black. As what I was going to say, well, the first time I thought it was like, maybe your power is going on. I'm like, oh, no. I'm, in that moment, I'm like, okay, get ready to shift the monologue mode. And go. No. Yeah, no, it's, it's, I'm telling you, I'm, the lights haven't touched, haven't fluttered here at all in my room and my office here. Um, as a matter of fact, the people I hear, had here on Saturday were down in the third level. And I took them from the theater room into the guest bedroom. And Scott Michaels of Dearly Departed Tours was sitting there by himself. And he's, he, you hear him saying, David, 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 get the fuck in here. I'm like, what the? And he goes, 
that. And I'm putting points up, and the lights are literally doing that, just like they. <laughs> I know you're not doing it physically; you're doing it electronically. That's what sucks. That's the fun. He was like, he was figures. I guess he was freaking out. He goes, "I gotta go upstairs." He goes, I, I, "I'm not afraid. I just, I just, it's just unsettling to me. This is ridiculous." <laughs> and he says it started happening right after we left the room. <laughs> and he was all by himself. So it's like, all right, easy pickings, bang, bang. And I was tracking up because I said, Scott, you're in there by yourself. He goes, he goes, yeah, not anymore. I'm going upstairs. I'm going to hang out by the bar. <laughs> oh, geez. I'm going to ignore this shit. I can't handle it. If you interrupt me like that and you're doing it intentionally, that's really bugging the living crap. Yes, I'll ask him. Dave, does this happen? I mean, Jim, does this happen at all with you? At all with other clients? I want to once in a long while. I mean, it, it's not every week, obviously, but there have been oh, five or six occurrences in the last four or five years of weird something or another happening. So, but yeah. it is what I talk about. So, you know, it does kind of, I mean, obviously I'm not nose blind to it. It does happen. <laughs> have I seen any, any apparitions along your street or near the Hollywood sign? Um, a, I haven't really spent much time at all near or near at or near the Hollywood sign. Um, honestly, I just haven't taken that hike up there. As far as in the driveway, no, I know that other people have claimed to have seen things um, in the driveway on the street in front of the house and other times, but no, for the most part, nothing that I've ever seen. The only apparition I've ever seen, which was um, in July of 2004, was 19 years ago in my bedroom and was a Turned out it was Jay Sebring who I actually saw in the middle of the night. So that was a you know a once in a lifetime experience. And I'm still looking forward to seeing more of the apparitions if they would manifest instead of doing the parlor tricks with the goddamn light drip, drip, you know driving on the uh, camera here. Hello, that's an, that's that's not only assessment. That's a direct request to cease and desist this monkey business and to manifest as a, as a spirit. Come on. 19 years is a long, long time. <laughs> I think you can do better. Oh, but let's clean this up real quick. I, you mentioned the book earlier, but yes. tell people, YouTube, give me that whole spiel. You know what I'm talking about, because I got a couple more questions, and I'm going to get at the time. If I don't do this now, we're going to be, well, yeah. Sure. Right, the book this. is available right now at the title Dot com. So that's ghosts of Cielo Drive dot com. Um, that's Sharon Tate. That, of course, is Jack Johnson, the heavyweight boxing champion of the world. I'll hold it up here. And this, whoops, this is Rudolph Valentino, whose house, well, this is a neighbor literally across the canyon from here. He lived there across the way at Falcon Lair, and his spirit's been. Um, Visited, has visited the home here on one or so, one or more occasion, I'd have to say. And the same with Jack. His collection brought his spirit. Or sorry, Jack. I really I apologize. It's because of Jack Johnson's in connection with me that I had this once upon a time beautiful museum of collection of his memorabilia, which no longer exists. But his spirit still, as you can still see that, 
um, still makes the rounds and visits here. It's, it's entertaining, too, for me because I've got you up twice on my screen. I've got you in this little studio box down below, and then I have the, the feed that's going out. And the, the feed below is like the raw video, and then there's that whatever that does to send it out. And the, I could see it on the first one, and then I'll look up and I'll see it again. So it's like confirmation bias of what I'm seeing, right? Because I'm looking at the one, and I'm like, oh, what was that? And I'll look up again. It happens within like a split second, but it gives me enough time to jump my eyes. So. <laughs> It's crazy. I can't understand it. It never happens. And it's not like the lights are dimming here and going fluttering. No, they're, they're as straight as an arrow here. They're fine. The signal's not that. It's No, no, it's not signal for sure. It's definitely <laughs> lights. <laughs> that was a walk-off home run right there. We should, I, should just end I swear that. to God, the timing couldn't have been better. It was like, I do this, and then boom, boom, boom. <laughs> All right, funny guys, very funny, very very funny. I, I don't know what to make of it, but it's typical of my life. Um, oh yeah, don't Just forget some of the most important information is this: is the YouTube channel. So get your people subscribed to my YouTube channel. Uh, where is it? It's YouTube.com forward slash David Omen. It's on the top line right here. That's what you want to do. Subscribe to that channel. And again, I don't feel compelled to be forced into, oh, you got to put up another video this week. It's like, I can't do that. A, I can't do it because it's a problem because I don't have the control of saying to the spirits, chop, chop, we need more activity. I need more video. Come on, chop, chop. And that's the last thing that I want to do is try to make that happen on a kind of a regular basis. And then it's like, God, you guys are freaking such in such a routine. My God, this is not working. So like I said, when something happens, I make note of it. If I capture it on film and it's something that's good and I can verify that it's not explainable by some rational means, which I don't post crap that I know is fake or that can be explained away by the cat or the dog or something like that. So if it's on my channel, you can pretty much bet that it's been reviewed and viewed and reviewed twice over and been validated as it's something that we can't explain. Otherwise, why post the goddamn video that's fraudulent? I can't get your trust back once I valid, once I void that confidence in your mind, I can never retain it again. So that's, that's my ass. I wish more people seen it that way, but you know, anyways, we will digress on that. Uh, yeah. Ouija boards, yes, no, maybe so. Have you ever used one at your home? Oh, yeah, we got many a time. We've never had anything happen directly connected to the Ouija board. The one time, and I say this again, the one time we had something that happened that I think is coincidental of the point of the usage of the Ouija board was 2005. We were shooting the movie, and um, oh, yeah, that movie, that's this movie. House at the End of the Drive, it's where they died. Um, and my key grip was here the last night, and he'd been staying here for two weeks during the shooting. And um, we had a seance between me, Michael, and Krista of the Mystic Raven. And they brought this old 19th century, 1880s spirit board. That's this big piece of wood. And it wasn't plywood. It was just like a big, thick piece of wood, probably about a foot and a half by about a foot, maybe a little bit, 14 inches. And it had scribbled in it the whole thing like a Ouija board. And they brought out the planchette. They were doing it. Nothing happened. Well, the key grip, um, Charles Gould, 
went back to go to bed in the third level guest bedroom. Six months after that incident, as I found out later on, six months later, he told me the incident. He goes, I went to bed and I put myself to sleep on the right side of the bed. He goes, all of a sudden, I just felt my, my pill, the, the pillow settle in around my head. And I started feeling my body being dragged up to the corner of the ceiling. And I'm sorry, I'm laughing. To me, it's hysterical because it took him six months to tell me this. And he goes, I got dragged up by the, to the corner of the ceiling by an unseen force. And this terrible voice, I could hear him saying, you're coming with us. And I said, what did you do? And he goes, I said, no, put me down, put me down. No, no, I don't want to go. go." And I'm like, and Charles was about six foot two, about 280 pounds, stout South African gentleman. And um, he swears to this, to this day that he couldn't understand it. And he says, when I went into that house and to shoot that movie, I'll tell you, I was a skeptic. But after living two weeks in that house, and every morning he later told me that at the crack of dawn, before the sun came up fully, somebody would walk into his room and pull at his feet. And the door was locked from the inside. He was the only one in the room. And the incident, he says, I still can't believe it. And I've got his interview um, recorded, and it's just straight out of hell crazy, the way he describes it. So... That is wild. So that's, ask you this. that's a Ouija board story. <laughs> I've got to ask you this final question. It's become a staple time around. Staple around here. Staple time. Yes, please. Ready? Final last question. Hardest question of the night. What's your favorite breakfast? Oh, that's I easy. Told you. Garbage okay. omelet. Oh, yeah. So everything you, get, you can find to put in there? Yeah, I mean, it, it, the, the, the first and most memorable time was when I was in college. I went to some friend's house up in Humboldt, and I had never known anything about Northern California because I was always a Southern California boy. And there were these mansions tucked up in the woods with, like, Jerry Garcia had his ranch up there and his established, his compound. I'm like, these houses are nestled in these, these huge houses nestled in the, the redwoods and the forest up there. I'm like, and my friend says, all right, it's time for a guy. I said, what the hell is the garbage? He goes, well, we take and he said, literally, this is what we had. Sautéed mushrooms, sautéed, um, what is it, onions, bell peppers, um, green peppers. Uh, what else? Is American cheese, Swiss cheese, Jarlsberg cheese, um, sausage, bacon, fried potato pieces, um, what the hell else was there in there? There was also on top. There was also slices of fresh avocado, all built into this huge, huge, massive omelet. I think there was like a dozen eggs between the four of us, and we just scar. It was just the most incredible. And I'm telling you, that's why I said garbage omelets. It's it is what you say it is, you know, in theory. But when you really want to make a garbage omelet, you go to the market, you get everything you can, and you just and spinach, sautéed spinach. I mean, it was just like crazy delicious food. I mean, that to me is the way to go. If you can set it up and you have a whole group of people, you said, let's do garbage on this. Like, what's that? It's like, trust me, no anchovies, of course, no pepperonis, but the sausage and the bacon and all the cheeses and all the veggies. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's, so, that's it, man. 
I appreciate yeah, same all. here, Paranormal Heart. I love your Allsburg. I, I have some upstairs I'm going to be munching on. <laughs> By the um, way, Orange yeah. County OC Ghosts and Legends is going to be doing a paranormal investigation on the 21st of October and the 4th of November here at the house. So if you guys want to come in, I think it's like yes. six hours or five or six hours here, and it's 100 bucks a person. So if you guys want to, that's what we're doing through them for Halloween. Okay, David, I appreciate you. I'm going to play the outro music and I'll hang out with you because I may have a lead for you, but we'll, we'll see. I hope so. Also, if you know this in distribution, I'd like to get this to a television network. It's done. It's in the can. We can roll it out for Halloween time in the next couple of weeks. Sounds good. Hold on a second. Sure. Hey, I want to thank you for joining us. It's been a good show tonight. I hope you enjoyed it. Take a few moments, subscribe, share, all the fun stuff. You know how to do it. I don't have to tell you. Just uh, be ready for next week. It'll be sooner than you think. It's the Mallard Report. A news story gets shared by a friend on social media, or you catch a tweet that really makes your blood boil. But how do you separate fact from fiction? That's the premise behind Disinformation, a 10-part series from Evergreen Podcasts and Emergent Risk International coming this fall. Tune in to Disinformation wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, don't believe everything you read.